0: see.
1: Welcome to money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with over 20 years experience in providing, providing financial planning and investment advice.
2: And I'm John Travis. I have an MBA in finance, also a Dave Ramsey local provider, and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. I'm Gordon Leppard, financial advisor with Richard Young Associates. Good to be here today, guys. Yeah,
1: good morning here. Yeah, it's a great day to be here, and we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly
2: radio show. We're right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. You can also go to our website, moneymd.net. We have a link in the top right-hand corner. You can uh, stream us. A lot of folks uh, catch us at the 9 a.m. hour, um, you know, listening from their kitchen or Yep. wherever they are, vacation, um, but you can go to 1230 a.m. dial, or we have podcasts. We have a link to the podcast out there, so try to make it simple to listen to the money doctors.
1: Absolutely. You can also link to us there on our website, moneymd.net, um, to email us your questions. We'd love to hear mm-hmm. from you. Love to uh, hear uh, you know, what questions you have, and we can answer those on the show. Um, you can also email us directly at info at moneymd.net. Well, guys, um, I think we have a great show lineup up for the day, as usual, and, um, you know, it's going to be interesting. I think uh, uh, one of the things that is is big on my mind, anyway, every time, you know, I, I pay my bills is medical cost. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like it continues to go up despite, you know, all the reforms and all that kind of stuff that's gone on and but there are some big ways that you can save on medical costs and so i think this is a very informative article out of bankrate.com um, so we're going to talk about the 10 ways to save big on medical costs
2: yeah that's a that's a great uh, topic certainly would i would think would draw a lot of interest from folks out there and then we're going to follow up with an article talking about social security i mean you know guys there's a lot of talk in the media about social security a lot of people are scared that it's not going to survive and so we've got some pretty interesting facts that actually turns uh, 80 um, you know, So it's got some history to it, and uh, so we're going to look at some of the historical facts and some of the pressures going forward and why people are asking that question. Will it survive?
3: Yeah, it's a good one. Then we're going to take a, a look at the IRS. Mm-hmm. Earlier this year, um, there was quite a bit of information that was breached, mm-hmm. and we're going, to, we're going to talk about how that could potentially affect you and uh, the number of
1: people that it actually affected. Um, yeah.
3: the end of the show so yes yeah, yeah. con- uh,
1: unfortunately that's a common theme these it days really is i mean your your information is 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 breached out there all over the place so i think this is really important and you know the question is what do you do about it that's right uh, we're going to talk about that's that right. so uh, great topic okay but we're going to start off here though with the
2: financial fact of the week And yeah, this comes from T. Rowe price and it talks it's talking about social security and 64 uh, percent of millennials believe they have a greater chance of winning the lottery than ever receiving a penny from social security and just Ouch. to define the millennial age there's about 75 million americans um that were born between 1981 and 1997 so they're you know late teens to um to early 30s is kind of the time frame and so they have no faith in social security and i hear that when i talk to, to young folks yeah yep. they just they they basically when we do some planning for them they're like don't even count social security in my plan and uh, it's interesting that there's such a negative connotation. I think it will be there. It'll be reduced for that generation, um, but I think it'll still be alive at that point. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's sad that people have so little
1: faith in Social Security, and I wish the the politicians in Washington had the guts and the initiative to to fix that. Mm-hmm. You know, because it'd be nice to have that un- that uncertainty off the table for so many Americans. Like you, I think it'll be there. I think it, it may be reduced. It may be they um you know, have a later retirement age to draw full social security. Right. Um but, you know, maybe it's not inflated as much. It might be means tested in the future, but it's mm. in trouble. I mean, the system needs to be fixed, mm-hmm. no doubt. Sure, it needs to be addressed. It's certainly yeah. not going to look like it does today. No, definitely no. not. So for folks we're planning for, we, we tend to discount Social Security depending on their age, mm-hmm. you know, some percentage um, of, of what it might be projected today. So uh, I think that's a prudent thing to do in your planning just to be safe. Um, but I think it will be there for, for most folks. Yeah, so don't play the lottery though. No. That's not a good retirement plan. No, definitely not. It's it's definitely better better chance than the lottery, I believe. Okay, um that leads up to our first topic here though, um, and that is ways to save big on medical costs. You know, this is an article out of Bankrate.com dot com by Margaret Burnett, and um you know, as healthcare consumers you know, we endure higher deductibles today, reduced insurance benefits. It's becoming more important than ever to really understand and negotiate the prices before you receive treatment. Um, this uh, doctor, Catherine Stewart, who is a medical director of care and management at Mount Sinai Hospital in Chicago, she says that you know she believes patients can and should be more proactive about seeking the best medical advice or prices for their services. She says hospital costs are really only about 40 to 50 percent of what the list price charges are. Mm -hmm. Which is a huge difference. Yeah. And that's coming from the other side of the table. She's telling us that. That's exactly right. I mean, she's in charge of, of, you know, care uh, management at Mount Sinai Hospital there in Chicago. And that's what she says. You know, she says when it comes to billing, most hospitals are happy to even break even or maybe have a little profit on their services. Um, That means there's plenty of room to negotiate and reduce your out-of-pocket expenses and save huge on medical costs if you're a savvy patient and consumer. So here are the 10 things that you can do to save big on medical costs as you seek excellent health care.
2: Going forward, yeah, and number one on the list is is ask your doctor to be your ally. I mean, that's a very simple thing to do. I mean, if you're shopping around for medical services, you probably have a primary care physician uh, who directed you to seek the service in the first place. Um, So you have to get diagnosed by someone, says Stewart. So let that person. Be your advocate. Let them reach out um, maybe to the other facility and and talk to them. Um, They can recommend procedures, which centers will work with patients to lower the out-of-pocket cost, or even ask for help in communicating with the finance department directly. Now, that's a... That would be kind of challenging, but you can ask them to to work with you and and give you some insight into how to how to approach it. Yeah. She says there's a big advantage if you can get the doctor to get
1: involved in that process and and be your advocate for you. Um, You know, we recently Kathy and I recently had to get Abby an MRI, our daughter, um, for her wrist and the hospital that they had recommended the doctor had sent her to wanted $3500 for the MRI. We checked because you know we knew it was going to come against our deductible. We have a big deductible on our mm-hmm. our family plan and uh it's going to be like $3500. Um so she checked around. She checked a private imaging center outside the hospital. And it was only $1,100. Wow. It was a third of the price. Nice savings. Yeah. So she called the doctor, got the doctor to change the the, uh, referral to this imaging center, and saved us twenty two twenty three hundred dollars
2: yeah good good job abby
1: yeah i that's mean that impressive. was that was kathy obviously. kathy okay yeah, good kathy. Job, kathy. <laughs> yeah. i thought you were getting abby to do yeah, it. yeah that would be something if abby did it no i'm just saying <laughs> there is room to save huge on medical costs you know you have to be anything in the hospital is going to be more expensive than is outside mm-hmm. so you got to be proactive about that so i think that's a great tip um next one here on the list is compare costs by using the cpt code um You know, that's interesting because your doctor, they might be willing to initiate a conversation with the hospital finance department, but you can still expect to have several conversations on your own. So before you call, you have to make sure you have the current procedural terminology correct. The best way to do that, they say, is to have the CPT code. That's the code for the procedure that you're trying to get done. That's an industry term for the billing code. It's a five-digit number. That is used to build the procedure. So that's that's what this, this lady says. It's really, really important. Yeah.
3: Yeah. you know, with this code, um, you can call multiple medical centers to compare prices as well, you know, like you were talking about, um, when comparing prices we, either from uh, the hospital or to another smaller facility. So, um, Third, we're looking at finding friends in the billing department. (laughs) You know, hey, it's nice to have friends everywhere. So when calling different medical centers, ask for the billing department and then ask what they charge for that particular procedure uh, that you're looking for. You should be able to get this pricing, uh, especially by being persistent and and asking the right questions. About 80% of the time, um, you should be able to, to get that information. If the representative doesn't want to answer then ask for the manager. Keep asking for the manager until you uh, finally get in touch with the right person. Uh, you know, your success in this area is very uh, is, is determined on whether you know you you ultimately choose to use this facility or or medical facility. So, if the doctor won't tell you, or if they won't tell you what these prices are, yeah. you may want to move on. Just leave. <laughs> You know, yeah,
1: right. I mean, you can actually check their website too. We'll get to that one, but I mean, there's a lot of ways to, to get at the price of the procedure, and that's that's what Kathy did when she called around, you know, for Abby, and uh, you you got well, to, and it ended up paying off for you guys big time. Yeah, it really did. So you got to call the billing departments and get those prices, um, and work with them. And you know, next one on the list here is to negotiate, or the next step, if you will, is to negotiate lower prices and in payment arrangements. You know, if you're fortunate enough to, to get the comparative information um, and ahead of time and an alternate hospital is cheaper, then go to the original hospital. See if you can get their prices to match, you know, if there's a hospital you prefer, you know. And if all the hospitals you contact charge similar amounts, see if you can negotiate a, a prompt payment discount with one of them. They say here, I mean, don't forget the hospitals are willing to work with people who have severe financial problems as well. So if you have a procedure um, performed, but you feel there's no way you can really pay the bill, ask the hospital if they're willing to work out a payment plan for you. Most hospitals are. So that's a great tip. That leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net. Or you can give us a call during regular business hours at Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. seven three nine zero seven two five. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who's a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about the ways to save big on medical cost. Um, guys, you know, I mean, with with costs really just skyrocketing. I don't know about your, you know, your personal mm-hmm. plans and things outside of our office, but... You know, in my experiences, prices are skyrocketing. Oh, they are! And yeah. deductibles are becoming huge. copays are becoming huge. You know, that's the case at, at my, uh, my 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 church. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're out trying to shop that again, and you know, it's more important than ever. In the best way, I think to save big. Is to do it at the point of service. Yeah. You know, when you go to the hospital or you go to the doctor, getting prices ahead of time, because you're going to have a, most likely you're going to have a big copay Mm -hmm. and you're going to have
2: a big deductible. Yeah. I mean, the way uh, the Affordable Care Act is set up is to have, most people have big deductibles.
1: Exactly. So, you know, if you can just get under that, if you just get the deductible part, keep your procedures well below that, you know, you're going to save a lot of money on that part of your, your bill. So first step we talked about was get the doctor to be your ally, um, get them to help you, get them to help, you know, call uh, the physician, the, the, the refer referred uh, provider that they're sending you to and, you know, try to get them to work with you. And the second part was to compare costs by making sure you have the right CPT code and you're using the right terminology and then chop around, you know, for the service. And then the next one here was to to get the billing department to kind of get on your side. You know, ask them for help, you know, and ask them for the prices. Make sure you get the pricing information. Be persistent, if necessary, and and get the price. And then negotiate it um, because you can get lower prices if you negotiate it. It is negotiable. Um, They're willing to work with most people, and particularly if you're – if you if you have financial problems, mm-hmm. they will work with you. But you know this lady that's the medical director of of care at Mount Sinai Hospital in Chicago. Um, this Dr. Catherine Stewart, she says that that hospitals. Typically, their costs are only forty to fifty percent of what they they bill for. So initially, so they're willing to cut that drastically. They're happy to just break even or make a little bit of profit. what she says mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in this article. So it's really really interesting. Um, so you know that leads up to our next tip.
2: Yeah, this is uh, talking about um, asking questions. I mean, you got like I think you hit the nail on the head, Steve. Uh, you've got to take. Uh, you got to be proactive in this. So when when your provider um, gives you um, some advice you know you got to ask questions about it Um, understand our hospital room stays necessary the lab tests medications are all these required is there any kind of discretion um, something that can be postponed or put off later um, you know, that may be a great way of lowering costs. And obviously, if the doctor is telling you to do something um, and they say, yes, you have to do this, you need to follow. That's what they're trained to do. But it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to be involved. And, and most do- doctors respect that. They don't feel like they're being challenged. But you've got to be proactive.
1: And maybe there's lower cost alternatives, yeah, too. that's right. You know, maybe yeah. it's just the and procedure
2: can be something,
1: you know, a lot less costly in the long run. So you just need to ask those questions. And next here on the list is explore the state-sponsored hospital websites because the Health Care Price Transparency Act of 2006, which I didn't even know existed, and it's very interesting yeah. here. I mean, there's an act about price transparency that was passed in 2006. It requires hospitals to report to the public information and... Um, on the specific inpatient, outpatient charges. So according to the Hospital Association, 33 states already require hospitals to report pricing information and 10 more voluntarily doing so. So as an example, South Dakota, their pricing uh, website, hospital pricing website, list average annual costs for 25 of the most common procedures formed at the hospitals uh, there in the state, at the state's hospitals. And the site reveals that the average charge for, say, delivering a baby, for example, is nearly $500 more than the same price charged at another hospital in the same city. So there's a big variation there. So, you know, these these rates represent averages. So check in the website before you check into a hotel um, can save hundreds of dollars in your medical bill. And then make sure you check your state's hospital association to find out if the local pricing is available online for that particular hospital. So that's a good tip. Uh,
3: that is a good point, too, Steve. Uh, when we're talking about websites, you, you know, you can also check with your insurance Companies' websites now, Um, you know, one major drawback of looking up prices online or even contacting the finance department at some of these hospitals is that the price information you receive is likely their highest price. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you are insured, your insurance company probably negotiates a lower price for you. Right? Yeah. So, right. you know, e- even if you have a very high deductible, that's usually the case. You're able to get a better uh, price through the insurance company. So, fortunately, several uh, of these providers, insurance providers, are helping solve this problem by proactively placing their customers' out of pocket price information on, on their websites now. You know, and this has been very, very helpful. Uh, Cutler says that Aetna is implementing an <laughs> online rollout of comparative cost information in several states. Since primary care doctors usually don't have that pricing since they're not privy to it um, this gives you know some great information. Uh, He goes on to say that most physicians they don't know the cost of lab fees and other um, costs maybe associated with specialists so you know this is a real advantage and, and they're trying to help people get some of that cost information so that they can use it you know to their benefit.
1: Yeah, and also check with your insurer to see if they if the list um if they list comparative prices online. Um also, I mean be sure to verify the additional specialists that you plan to use, such as your anesthesiologist is covered by your plan. Even if your insurer's negotiated rates um you know, even though they may be lower than the hospital's list price, be sure to understand how your deductible and copays affect that out-of-pocket cost as well because You know what they find here is that um a procedure the copay will 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 come off first before you get into your deductible come off before your copay hits so say you have a two thousand dollar charge you know you may have to fully pay your deductible before you start paying your 20 percent of that of that or the remaining bill um so they can add up there and it can make a big difference Um, Next one here on the list, number eight, is ask for Medicare's uh, rates. If you ask for the Medicare rates, you know, if you have no insurance or otherwise are forced to pay a hospital's list price, another negotiating strategy is to inquire about your hospital's Medicare rates. The government-funded Medicare program has the pre-negotiated fees that hospitals accept for certain medical procedures, and it's likely that those negotiated rates are much less than the hospital's listed rates according to Steward. So ask what you're getting. Um, you know, could you get uh, the Medicare rate for the procedure that you're having done? You know, and if you can get that down to those rates, you're doing pretty good, she says. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good tip. And then that next one here on the list is go generic. You know, I mean, this goes without saying, we've talked about this before. I mean, patients who are comfortable with their out-of-pocket deductible and copays. They might still be in for shock, you know, when they go to fill a prescription. You know, no one's going to be able to negotiate pharmaceutical costs. So the best cost savings results whenever people use generic medicines versus the brand um, medicines. <coughs> you know, they say generics are, in the vast majority of cases, exactly the same drug. So if your doctor prescribes something to you, ask whether that drug's available in generic. They say, you know, another tip is to make sure that your prescription uh, your physician prescribes you is on your insurer's list as well because your insurer also has a list of drugs that are covered. You want to make sure that you're you're getting a drug that's covered on your list and mm-hmm. it's covered by your insurance right. because you'll get a reduced price that way as well and, and may get it totally covered. And then the last one here is... To sweat the small stuff. You know, after you negotiate your major services, pay attention to the incidental costs that might add up on your hospital bill They don't have those, do they? <laughs> yeah, quite a few. If you've looked at one of those bills, <laughs> oh, man, they are, <laughs> they list every little piece, every little tissue cost, tissue, yeah, or right. aspirin <laughs> on there. Yeah, and I mean, if there are any toiletries that are not included in the price of the room, you know, bring them yourself, they say. Ask about using your own prescription medicines if you already, you know, have it on hand. Um, you know taking the the, these cost reducing steps ahead of time can eliminate the unpleasant hospital bill surprises later nevertheless remember that it's nearly impossible to forecast what the final bill will be so if there is a complication during your medical procedure obviously you're going to need more services and your charges you know will probably be a lot higher Um, so you know if you believe your charges are erroneous you'll be in a better position to dispute them because of your familiarity with the services selected. So make sure you check all these things out ahead of time. Go to the websites, use the Internet, you know, and uh, negotiate prices and, you know, get your doctor on your side. I think these are some great tips to save big on, on medical costs. All right, that leads up to our break here, but if you have questions, you can email us um, at info at moneymd.net um, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates during regular business hours at 706 739 0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages and Gina News. Money,
4: money, money, money.
1: Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who's a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leopard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And we are going to lead off our second segment here with the question of the week.
2: Yeah, guys, we get this question pretty frequently about um, how to reduce taxes. Um, I think people are filling the, uh, the the tax bite. Um, you know, that was enacted back in 2013. And, you know, they're just trying to find out ways to have more income um, to do other things with. So question uh, came from a client that says, besides maxing out my 401Ks for myself and my wife, what are some other ways to reduce taxes? And I'll, I'll lead off by saying we're not CPAs. Uh, We certainly are concerned with taxes, and we try to help our clients with taxes. But some of the things that you can do to reduce taxes, health care savings account, which is linked up with a high deductible plan. Yeah, that's a good one. It's about $6,600 that you can reduce your income. Uh, Pretty cool as well. If you keep it in there for a long period of time and it grows and you use it on the back end, there's no taxes on that. So it's a fantastic way to to, um, to so, get a tax break on the front end and the back end. Kind of like a medical <clears throat> Roth. But, yeah, exactly. But you're actually getting to write it off. Mm-hmm. You're getting the tax deduction. It's a double dipper here. That's right. So that's a fantastic way to do it. Um, you can gift securities that have appreciation so you don't have to pay the yep. the gain
1: gift, taxes on it. Gift unrealized gains. That's that's a favorite of mine. Yep. You know, um, If you're giving money to charities anyway, mm-hmm. yep. um, you know why not gift them gains so yep. you don't have to realize those gains and pay taxes on them. So you avoid right. 15%. Potentially yep. potentially as high as 20% um, tax on realized long-term gains or, or
2: short-term gains. Sure. I've seen um, some clients that are going to retire pull in contributions from the next year into the current year, try to get more deductions in a higher, yep. higher tax bracket. That's yep. a way to That's uh, right. do 529 plans for South Carolina is a great option to look at, Roth IRAs. I mean, there's a couple of things that you can look at that will benefit you, maybe not today, but potentially in the future as well. So Roths can be a solid part of that strategy.
1: Yeah, that that's a good one. Okay, good question of the week. And that leads up to our next topic here, and that is the nine things to know about Social Security as it turns 80 years old. Yeah. So it's a pretty... Pretty old program here. Um, it is. That's about when people used to start drawing Social Security.
3: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, no, not, that's a, that's about when I'll start drawing. Yeah, so not security exactly,
1: but right. uh, yeah, I mean now people are living way past eighty. So, yeah. uh, but eighty uh, Social Security is eighty years old today as of Friday. That's uh, yeah. you know, here recently.
2: Right, right. And so people are looking or asking the question, you know, is it going to last? I mean, that's a that's a common question. And unfortunately, from a political standpoint, when the politicians start talking about changing Social Security. Uh, unfortunately some of them start to be negative and scare people into thinking it's going to go away completely but I I don't think like we talked about earlier I don't see that happening but this is interesting I mean the program was signed into law um, by FDR um, over 80 years ago Um, at that time most people had lost um, any savings they had that was during the Great Depression era and uh, most of them had very little for retirement so some companies back then had pensions but that was a rare benefit back in that uh, day and age and quite frankly Today, it's a rare benefit I was going we're back there again. Yeah. Well, hopefully not the Great Depression, but no, the no, pigeons. No, no, that's right. The <laughs> rare benefit of a I understand. Pension. That's I, right. I understand what you're saying. I was just giving you a hard time over there. Thank you, sir. Dr. Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the program was, was largely uncontroversial, um, said Eric Yellen. He's a historic history professor at the University of Richmond. It basically sailed through Congress. And it was hugely popular all the way into the 1970s. And, but, you know, since then, guys, things have changed. I mean, Social Security now is more of a political punching bag. And as a presidential election, you know, it's always in the, the politics and the news. I mean, reforming the program will certainly be a hot topic. So uh, here's a couple of things, a couple of facts about Social Security. But you'll start to understand why people are asking, is this going to last?
1: Yeah, and here's kind of the the first one here is kind of the bottom line problem with Social Security today, that is the average retiree gets 12 more years of Social Security benefits than she did back in 1940. Yeah, that's a, you know that's a that, big deal. That's a long time, guys, and you know it's not just because we're living longer, but it's also because we're retiring earlier, according to the experts here. In this article, and so that's now killing our system. You know, I mean, we we need to raise the age again, at the le- the very least, or, you know, maybe remove some of the excesses, like you know, switching from a spousal benefit mm-hmm. to your own's benefit. I think they ought to they ought to limit some of that stuff. So there's a
2: lot of stuff they're gonna to have to. They do They may fix have to this. do some inflation uh, adjustments, adjustments as well. That's, that, that makes right. a big deal. So that's right. That's number one. Number two here is uh, the fact is the current. Retiree um, starts taking benefits at age sixty-four, and um, back in nineteen fifty, that age was sixty-eight. Wow. Okay, so they're taking most people are taking it much earlier, um, and they're living longer as well. So that, that's where the twelve years comes in, um, and the reason why they did um, this is happening is because in nineteen fifty-nine, Congress created the early retirement age, and so in exchange for a reduced benefit, you can retire as early as sixty-two and start taking that income sooner than later. And most people, and we sit down with folks all the time talking about this, um, you know, I would say more than 50% take it early, uh, oh, probably it, significantly more than that. Yeah, I've seen statistics that, that indicate that the vast majority take it early. Yeah, I mean, some people are able to wait and wait till the full retirement age, but um, it's certainly earlier than it used to be. So what is that retirement age? Well, y- you have to be at least 66 years
3: old uh, to retire today and get your full benefits. Uh, the age is already going up, and we'll probably see it continue to go up. Um, if you're 55 or younger today, you'll have to wait till age 67. Um, the Social Security website can help you figure this out. And, again, like you said, John, just sitting down, talking with a competent advisor, um, mm-hmm. and, and figuring out what's best for your
2: situation. Yeah. As I said I had a conversation with a client this last week, and you know they were talking about Social Security and when to take it, and, and Obviously, if we knew when the end date was, we could know exactly the best way to maximize yeah, that. that would so, help. you have to have some assumptions <laughs> built in there. Right. Right. Can't see into the future. But uh, the next one here on the list is there are fewer than three workers for every retiree. And back in 1960, there were five workers paying into the system for every person collecting benefits and it's dropped to 3 workers um, and if you look at the the reason is because of the baby boomers and the great recession there are so many people going into retirement now that there're just not enough workers out there putting money in um, to the uh, to the pot so 3 workers for every retiree and that's dropping as well as we go forward Number 5 here on the list is 60 million retirees get social security checks and back in 1940 that was the first year benefits were paid there were just 220,000 Americans that were signed up and since then the program has expanded to give benefits to spouses to widows and to widowers and I think those are all you know good solid pieces of the plan no doubt but the number of people getting checks is you know skyrocketed.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you think about that, 60 million people, that's like 20% of our population mm-hmm. in the US is collecting social security. That's a staggering rate. I mean, it's a staggering it really number. Is. It, it really is. I mean, it's just, you know, the system and it sure wasn't designed never designed to support that many people. And so that's a major problem, you know. It's a very important system though. Mm-hmm. And that's why we got to fix it, you yep. know. Yeah, I mean, Social Security, number six here on the list, and Social Security never had a huge trust fund. It was it was never rated, they say, um, here in this article, as many people believe. It's a pay-as-you-go system. You know, today's workers are paying for today's retirees, but unfortunately that's not enough, as we just pointed out. You know, there's not enough workers today. There's only three mm-hmm. um, that are paying for every one person that's retired, whereas there used to be five just in 1960. And that's why, you know, the Congressional Budget Office projects that it's going to run out of money. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the trust fund will, you know, in in a very short period of time, they're going to start running some huge deficits as a result.
2: Yeah, and number seven here on the list, um, it it will be around for millennials. That's what they're predicting. While most 20-somethings don't think they're going to get anything when they retire, that's probably not true. Even if Congress doesn't reform the system at all, social security will be able to pay full benefits through 2034 but then that'll drop down to three quarters um as i've scheduled benefits through 2089 but i can guarantee you you start cutting people's checks by 25 percent uh, you know there's going to be a revolt there, there oh, has to yeah. be changes There'll before certainly 2034 be back there yep
3: La- well not the last one but next to last i think here on the list number eight the tax rate was lower in 1940. Well, imagine that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Taxes have gone up since 1940. Well, Social Security has always been funded, like you said, by the payroll tax. <clears throat> but back then, it was only 2% and was split between you and your employer. Uh, you weren't taxed on any wages above $3,000, which is actually 48000 or the equivalent of 48000 and some change in today's dollars. Yeah, power of inflation. Wow. Um, now it's it's a combined twelve point four percent on wages up to one hundred and eighteen
2: thousand five hundred. Yeah. yeah, so a lot more, and that that may be changing as well. They may be changing that that percent to try to shore this up. And the last one here is really interesting uh, as well. Today's average monthly Social Security check is about twelve hundred bucks per month. And one in three people depend on it to cover ninety percent of their expenses, Wow, so yeah. if you've got but, um, sixty million people taking checks, there's about twenty, 20 million, million that that is really their sole income and that's why
1: this is such a critical safety net it I is mean, we, we have to have that, yeah, you know, I, for, I agree for
2: folks and um you know, that's why we have to fix it. E- even We've for folks to- that have saved, you know, well during their lifetime, I mean, Social Security is, is, a, is a pretty significant chunk of their income uh, when they get into retirement. And, you know, your benefits based on what you um, – not on what you paid in, but it's based on your lifetime earnings. So we get that question sometimes of, hey, if I take a lower-paying job, is it going to really drastically change Social Security? Generally not. Because it's based on a you know, lifetime of earnings, so um, that's right. Anyway, I think it'll be around, but there changes are
1: coming. There's no doubt yeah, they're they're needed badly, and we really need to fix this. Because you know it's it's going to continue to be a very very important program for a lot of people. Yep when they get into retirement. Okay, that brings up to our break. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call, 706-739-0725. you're listening to Money MD, we'll be right back at the news message. Welcome back to Money MD, where the Money Doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marvin, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leopard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are continuing our discussion here, we're actually starting a new discussion, but we're going to start off here, though, with the prescription of the week.
2: Yeah, so, um, so what do you keep your passwords? Um, you know, that's a, a question, you know, we talk about a financial summary for your loved ones, but, um, know what i've done for for my family is i I print off a one page or it's actually two pages of all my passwords uh you know email address or um uh, web address id and then the password I, i have probably 140 line items over the last 10 to 12 years of different systems social security banks old 401ks i have my kids information um id i mean you know it goes on and on and on that's right something happened to me my family would be left in the dark with a bazillion things to try to figure out so you know give them your passwords there are other ways to do it i just print mine out and put it in a lockbox.
1: yeah that's a good way of doing it i mean there's there's also password managers that you can use you know that um um, we'll kind of uh, keep all those passwords, and then you have one password to your password manager mm-hmm. on your computer. Um, that's another way of doing it. Some people will have a password manager on the cloud. I don't, I'm don't. i not particularly fond of that because I, I think clouds are vulnerable, you know, to being hacked. It's up in the um,
2: sky, though. No one can get to it, right? Yeah,
1: up in the sky there, John. It's just in this just mythical, mythical cloud floating up there. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a remote server, you know. That's just a remote server that, you know, has potentially hundreds if not thousands of access points for other people through other people and so i'm more a fan of keeping it on your own computer which only has one access point mm-hmm. you know from the internet and um i think it's a little more secure that way but um you know there are a lot of ways of doing it. a password file on your own computer mm-hmm. that's that's what i have and um you know you just like it, you said it 's complicated don 't don 't name it on your computer passwords right no, I probably <laughs> wouldn 't name it password. you might want to be a little more cryptic than that, and of course, password protect your password file, and I would suggest like, using a good password for that, but yeah. like clowny or something yeah clown they would never guess clowny right. never ever yes. yeah never. gamecock or something Some, stupid yeah, something. like that that'd be that 'd be a really good one john no one would ever think about only, that. A, only a carolina graduate would think of gamecock as their <laughs> password <laughs> hey whatever works <laughs> whatever works that's right so yeah do protect your your passwords and you know cyber security in today's world is very very important so uh make sure you take those steps all right speaking of which that leads up to our last topic here and that is the irs data's compromised um five things you should know about this i mean yeah, you know, this happened some time ago right gordon this that's
3: was right earlier this year and that that was a great lead in and segue to to this section you know talking about the the passwords and uh, vulnerability and security you know criminals uh, they hacked into the irs earlier this year and they stole taxpayer information uh and you know swiped um Lots and lots of information here. Yeah, uh, as many as three hundred and ninety thousand accounts were involved in this breach. That's nearly double the size of their uh, of how many accounts there. <clears throat> I'm sorry. The agency, yeah, they originally, originally thought, thought, right? You know, so this this was huge. Um, back in May, or like I said earlier this year, that identity thieves used data stolen elsewhere, such as social security numbers, birthdays, street addresses, um, in attempts to cl- to clear verification questions and access past tax transcripts for more than two hundred and twenty five thousand households. Wow. I mean, that's a lot. Um, This past week, the agency said a deeper analysis found an additional 220 successful attempts and 170,000 attempts uh, failed when they tried to access the information. (laughs) That's a lot of attempts. That's over (laughs)
1: 600,000
3: hack attempts. That's amazing. Wow,
2: that's why I mean, it's so hard to you can't cover every single base. I mean, it's it's almost impossible. Um, well, and we get into this in just a moment. Just how we talk about it. it's not totally it, foolproof. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And you know, the IRS is going to mail letters out um, to 390,000 taxpayers whose information was accessed or could be at risk. Um, you know, shortly, and that's a statement from the agency. It shut down the the get transcript feature, uh, which hackers exploited, and it says that it continues to work on strengthening the system. So. Um, they're actively working on it, It's obviously. an ongoing process. It is, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I mean, for years, the IRS has been struggling to keep tax refunds out of the hands of crooks, you know, especially for, as online filings, you know, becomes very, very common. Um, it gives criminals, though, who, who file fraudulent returns, refunds, an estimated $5.8 billion in 2013. That's how much it that's gave a them lot of that was stolen. Yeah, that's incredible. As a result of online filing. So it's unbelievable, yeah, according to the U.S. I mean, so this scenario, uh, unlike the, the typical breach of a website or a hack into a database, shows how criminals can harvest information from a growing market of stolen personal data and then leverage it. For the financial gain, I mean, huge financial gain—five point eight billion. It's just unbelievable number there. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah,
3: and, and you touched on it again uh, because of all the different access points. Steve uh, made it tremendously vulnerable. Well, he, here's here's what some taxpayers should know. First, the IRS will send you a letter if your records were at risk. Um, the IRS they send letters if you're among the two hundred twenty thousand taxpayers where um, there were instances of possible or potential access to old transcripts. As an additional protective step, the IRS will also mail letters to approximately 170,000 other households, uh, altering them, uh, alerting them, excuse me, uh, of potential breaches there in the security. What taxpayers must remember, though, is, you know, the agency, they will not call you. All right. They will not email you. They send letters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. Back in the early part of this year, there were plenty of scams. There, were, there were a lot of uh, calls. We received them actually on a, uh, on a on a voice message machine uh, that was asking for information, and that is an automatic red flag, mm-hmm. you know. But people they hear IRS and they get, you know, worked yeah, up and sure. hey, I Fearful. need to, I need to answer this call or I need to return this call, uh, but the the IRS warned earlier this month that it is has received reports of more than 600,000 such tax scams since October 2013. So that that wow. means that
1: there's a lot of this going on. And victims lost over $20 million. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, one of the big uh, ways this happens is these nasty links that infect your computer with malware and attempt to steal your personal information or lock up your machine, maybe to, to ask for a ransom. You know that's a tactic hackter, hackers have been using for a while, but one they've started using this year is sending fake receipts, refund receipts, IRS refund receipts to taxpayers. Um, according to to this company here that talks about it, and I guess in that receipt they're asking you to open a file to see your receipt. People right, open the file right. and it turns out it's some malicious virus that mm-hmm. gets in your machine. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Number two, the IRS will offer you free credit monitoring. But, again,
3: that's not foolproof, okay? It's it's in no way a catch-all. Earlier this month, the IRS, they set up a new cyber unit to fend off hackers. And after inadvertently giving out millions of dollars to prisoners of all, you know, who sent in fake filings uh, that were behind bars, the agency in 2013 began sharing more information. They began communicating a little bit better with the federal and state prisons uh, to kind of ward this off.
2: Yeah, and so you, you talk about free credit monitoring. Like you said, that's that's good, but, um, you know, the information is already out there. Um, you need to make some uh, some other thoughts. We talked about freezing credit as an option. You know, there's some other things that you're going to have to do as well. That's right. And, and you know, again, these are, um, these are not preventative measures.
3: These are actually just alerts. You know, if, if uh, something happens, then you're alerted. So people that were compromised, uh, that their information was compromised like this, they're going to be looking over their shoulders for a long time. And that differs from banks where, you know, a bank, they'll just replace your credit card or debit card or something like that. So, you know, this is this is a little bit different in that
1: instance. Yeah, number three here on the list is the IRS already knew it needed to do a better job securing taxpayer data. Watchdogs have repeatedly warned the IRS that... There was a lot of work to do when it comes to security um, because, you know, otherwise financial and taxpayer data would remain unnecessarily vulnerable to the inappropriate and undetected use of these, you know, modifications or disclosures, according to the GAO report. In fact, in the last three years, GAO reports on IRS information security have called out significant and serious weaknesses that could affect and and, uh, you know, compromise the integrity available to, to all their financial information about their taxpayers.
2: Yeah, the next one here on the list is that personal identi- identity verification questions are a poor security practice. I mean, in this case, Crooks made it past several personal verification questions that are typically only known by the taxpayer, and clearly the, the answer to those questions were not only known uh, to those taxpayers, but they were able to be figured to out. Also this, right, to the criminals. Yeah.
3: Well... Um, Look at number five. It says, you know, for information, is it much safer with the government? Well, I, I, I don't find that as a surprise. And most of Americans, uh, they believe the same way. You know, the vast majority of citizens, they're not too confident, uh, or they don't have very much faith that they're. Their uh, their information is very my, secure. My guess is know? just
2: across the board, whether it's government or businesses or their own personal, I think there's a very low confidence confidence level. You see it every single day. Somebody's getting hacked. I it mean, is. large. Complex government institutions, Sony, huge companies. I mean, you name it, people are vulnerable.
1: And I've heard some great talks on this. The majority of of hacks, though, start with data that was achieved through a phishing email. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you know, it's up to you to make sure you don't open any malicious emails or or click on some link. Be vigilant because you're getting those every single day. Be careful. That's That's really the moral of the story here. All right, well, this has been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call if we can help you during regular business hours, 706 739 0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.
4: Ladies and gentlemen.
0: SIPC